That's pleasant. Sounds like the video we were just watching. It's very pleasant. Very pleasant. On a on a Sunday as well. Which is what you need on a Sunday. Mm. Some relaxation. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's uh, an unusual time for us, but we figured why not? Got a few things left over from the week. Talk about developing things. Some things we haven't talked about before. Some things that uh, we've got updates on. People have been asking me to talk about. So it's, uh, it's me and Will today. And the first story actually was submitted by Mo. So that's kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, he helps out. There he Sometimes. is uh, submitting a story a story remotely. That's, they call that remote work. Okay. So Lana is making a crypto phone. Well, the crypto story has been uh, quite tumultuous recently. If you've been following it, I mean, it's like a lot of, a lot of stuff going on economically. Uh, stock market, crypto market, gas prices, uh, real estate, investments. It's all, uh, well, yeah, tumultuous. It's been a little bit rough recently. Uh-huh. However, that's not stopping any of these projects or seemingly uh, slowing them down at all. We had the recent music video slash per- uh, live performance at Ape Fest. From Eminem and Snoop Dogg mm-hmm. uh, into the NFTs. Obviously, Solana in there as well. Competition for Ethereum and such. And starting to think of ways to differentiate, starting to think of ways to increase or accelerate the adoption of crypto, Web3. And what about just making a smartphone? And what's interesting is this is happening at a time where we do have some kind of sort of new takes as far as some new smartphones. Obviously, we've been looking at that nothing phone recently. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is I'm reading this article about this upcoming Solana crypto phone. And they're teaming up with a company that we, I feel like, collectively forgot about or whatever. Maybe I should just speak for myself here, uh, which is Essential. Do you remember the smartphone company Essential? Yep. The the maker of Android. Yeah, and then there was some controversy around him, and then he left, but the hardware was kind of cool in some ways, and it was also a new smartphone company, which was exciting in and of itself, and it had the ceramic back, and Mm -hmm. I don't know, it was just kind of cool. But anyway, apparently that team was still trying to work on a phone, and that phone went by the name of Awesome OV1. Now, apparently that has all morphed into this upcoming Solana phone. The phone previously known as the Awesome OV1, built by a team consisting of former engineers and designers from Essential, is being renamed and repurposed today. And it's all in the name of crypto. This afternoon in New York City, blockchain company Solana announced its own mobile phone called the Saga, made in collaboration with Awesome. It'll be priced at $1,000. Pre-orders actually open now with a $100 deposit. The spec sheet is pretty much premium, pretty much flagship, 6.67-inch, 120 hertz OLED display 
512 gigs of storage, 12 gigs of RAM, and Qualcomm's latest Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1 chip. 50 megapixel primary camera and a 12 megapixel ultra wide. So it has those things you want, but obviously you're taking a risk from a brand new company that you haven't purchased from in the past. And then there's the crypto element. Now they don't, I mean, they want to give you a spec sheet that you're looking for, but the real thing here, the main attraction is supposed to be this new universe of Web3 NFTs, crypto wallets, and presumably some sort of ecosystem, some sort of app store that's going to be capable of delivering on those experiences, giving you something special for the type of people who are invested in this uh, culture and uh, upcoming web three uh, so the ov1 goes away and that project from the former essential group goes away and it all goes into this one here now into this solana device the saga so you can pre-order it over at solanamobile.com now they're they're saying like this is the way in they say apple didn't mention anything about crypto in any of their events so now it's up to us to do it is the uh, the suggestion here that there's an opportunity and that this part of the market is uh, potentially underserviced and that the progression of this these particular technologies are going to require maybe some hardware and that's where this comes and what do you think about this website here look at this you're scrolling and, but i personally think it is not so much about the hardware i know people will buy it because it's it has that affiliation and certainly there's plenty of people that are heavy into Solana that would like to take part in some uh, physical manifestation of their enthusiasm. But really what it's about, scroll up just a little bit there, Will, is this uh, 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 mobile stack, the Solana mobile stack. And that's going to be something that can exist on other Android devices as well. And this is an open DAP store decentralized applications it will be filled with so apparently like if you've got hardware that has this installed by default then you're going to encourage more developers to be inside of that uh, app store and then help to proliferate crypto native apps digital services digital goods and so forth wallets and all of these things now you'll be able to install that stack on other Android phones. You don't need this to partake, but this is going to have that pre-install on it. So it's going to be a little bit more native. A thousand bucks. Well, I mean, that's kind of the thing in 2022. I can't say, I, I don't think anybody's too excited about the thousand dollar price point, especially since the OV one was originally rumored to be well under 1000 for anyone that had been following that project. But when it comes to the Solana heads, they got they got a thousand bucks. It doesn't matter. Do they? Yeah, they're all set. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're all set. It's good to know. Uh, this is a, an interesting angle. We were talking in the past. We had a topic about a, an employee at Burger King. That that clip of twenty seven years, and I'm not really even trying to go back to it. It's just the the. It was it, a lot of people were very upset at the fact that um, that this employee. I think he posted it on his TikTok. Came to find out more information after the fact. He posted on his TikTok that he got this goodie bag after 27 years. The internet just hated this idea. 
he seemed appreciative. Some people speculated that he was being sarcastic in his appreciation. Some people said it doesn't matter if he appreciates it. He should be getting more for 27 years without a day missed. Uh, But it is this increasingly uh, intense situation between employees and employers. And by the way, I should just mention on the... In the case of the Burger King scenario, you probably have a, a, some. There's a little bit of a disconnect between head office, the the corporation, and the employee because you've got franchisees and managers and whoever it was who actually gave him this gift. Mm-hmm. A funny development there: David Spade, the actor, actually chipped in five thousand dollars to a GoFundMe that was started, which resulted in eighty thousand dollars in three days. Wow, that's the internet at work right there. So. It's a kind of a, uh, the development really changes your picture of the whole thing because now the the guy's in great shape. Now he's rich. (laughs) He's in great shape now. He's doing just fine and says he's going to visit his daughter and things like this. But it is increasingly like whichever angle you want to take on it, you have uh, on one side of the spectrum, people can't get employees or companies, I should say, can't get employees. All types of companies are attempting to hire. Then you've also got employees who are already working for companies, mega tech firms and such that are saying, we, we want to work on our own terms. That's what's important to us, lifestyle stuff. We want to work from home. Then you have mega tech companies saying, no, thank you. We need you. We're going to need you back in the office. You're just hearing all, you have all these different signals coming in. Is Is there a shortage of in the workforce or... Is it about to be a recession and companies are going to be uh, laying people off and letting people go? We're hearing about this from other tech companies, uh, and Netflix and Peloton and whatever. Peloton. But apparently there's a, uh, some s- scenarios in which the person doesn't even get started with their job. This is a funny one. It's a weird one to add to the mix. What about getting hired and getting fired before you even start? That sounds very scary. That's exactly what happened over here. So, so basically, you're trying to plan stuff out. You do an interview. You get the job. You start to make your plans. You're about to arrive, and they rescind the offer. And you left your other job. Um, is there like a clause? Package? <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> know. I don't know. You haven't even started. It's such an unusual. And I don't think in this particular case there was. It wasn't referenced in this article. I was told they were trying to find me a position in a different department, but it's also the end of their fiscal year. So they're taking a long time to get back to me. I left one job thinking I was going to another, so I wasn't financially prepared for what was coming. She said going back to her old workplace was not an option, but she needed to pay for a car repair and care for her four-year-old son. So she's been doing DoorDash deliveries to make ends meet for the past three weeks. Um... Apparently, this is becoming more prevalent, but it is just, it goes to show you what a weird time it is. Nobody, I mean, <laughs> nobody can figure out how to interact. Oh, not nobody, but increasingly, it is this, uh, there are these difficulties. Companies have seemingly changed their position, uh, many of them because of this potential economic downturn, to saying, whoa, we went too quick. We were going too nuts. We got to pull back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then the trickling effect of that on the job market 
and where the leverage is. I, I believe it's still on the side of the employee. I believe there's still a shortage depending on whatever the task happens to be. But uh, increasingly, this has become a more complex landscape with the variety of types of work, the what matters to the, to the applicant, and then uh, the companies and their abilities and also p- possibly their uh, un- unbridled uh, growth and in- increasing employment. Like, who-, who knows how far this can go in the other direction, but th- th- this is uh, an interesting development. Uh, speaking of economic downturn, there was one area that had been kind of insulated, one area that was doing really well, believe it or not, which is watches, Rolex, Patek actually beat vintage cars and of course beat Bitcoin, beat crypto because we just talked about what's been going on with crypto. Crypto's uh, having a bit of a rough time recently. Apparently you would have been better off just investing in, in time pieces. And they might have been physical. Be- yeah, they might have been better to look at as well. Yeah, over that course of time, there's some use to it. But apparently, even these luxury watches are also starting to face a little bit, maybe not a downturn, but softening up, sort of flattening out. Some of the most high-profile models, actually, and this is a whole thing that's tracked. It's actually quite interesting. You got some charts if you scroll. Um, it's called Subdial Fifty Index, and this tracks, I guess, 50 of the most popular uh, watches that are traded, secondary market, used watches, the, mo- the, 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 the kind of most aspirational, the ones that people want. And they act as a guideline for what's going on with the collecting in general. And here you can see a graph where you have subdial 50. It's like an index, basically, for watch trade- trading traders. You have cars. S&P 500, gold, Bitcoin, and Netflix is on there. Poor Netflix gets put on there. 12-month returns here from June 21 to May of 22. And you can see how the watches were, they're up there, man. 40% increase even today, even after it starts to turn downwards a little bit. Uh, Of course, it's important to note, like along this list, depending when you wanted to uh, take, do, do, do your analysis, other things have been up and other things have been down at different mm-hmm. points in time. We're, of course, just talking about 12-month returns as if you were to do it right now. It does appear that uh, the, the watch could have been a somewhat decent investment. Now, many of these watches on this list are out of reach for a number of people. Uh, there's some, uh, scroll up a little bit, there's some examples listed uh, a little bit more. Yeah, here we go. Uh, Subdial 50 index tracks global market prices for the 50 most traded luxury watches by value. So it's declined 6% in the past 30 days. A black dial Rolex Daytona reference has lost 10% of its value, though it's still up 19% on the year or the last 12 months. Blue dialed Patek Philippe Nautilus sports watch retails for around 145000 And that's down 12%. In 30 days after surging 44% in the last 12 months. Wow. It's a it's a really weird thing how the how all these other events that took place globally had the, this set of effects on all these little segments where you might not expect it. I've talked about 
sports gambling in the past, video games, watches. People were sitting at home. That, what, what, what? You can kind of be an enthusiast in this and an investor. Mm. Classic cars is in the same territory, but these apparently outperformed. Tons of value in the secondary market. We've talked about art in the past on the show. But anyway, the, these watches up until now, they've, they've done very well. I think it's about time, Will, that you get your collection going, right? I'll get started. Yeah, get get rid of all those other investments. Yeah. You're getting killed. Mm. <laughs> French energy giants urge consumers to cut energy use. So that's never a good sign from your energy companies. They like, hey, stop. You better stop doing all that. This, of course, uh, comes probably as a consequence of... Uh, Dependence on Russian energy. Everybody's trying to, Western Europe, trying to cut back on Russian energy consumption, having to reconfigure things in order to deal with demand. And uh, apparently there's also some maintenance and things going on. The heads of France's big energy companies on Sunday urged individuals and businesses to limit power consumption immediately to prepare for a looming energy crisis Here's the quote. We need to work collectively to reduce our consumption in order to regain room to maneuver. Room to maneuver. Sounds terrifying, that phrasing. What do you have to maneuver? Am I going to... How many days do I have? When do I run out? Scroll down to the next paragraph. Uh, The letter signed by Catherine McGregor. Jean-Bernard Levy and Total Energy's Patrick Puyen cited sharp declines in Russian gas shipments as well as limited electricity generation because of maintenance issues. Now, France is aiming to fill its gas storage facilities by early autumn. Apparently, they're at 59% right now. But many are scrambling to find alternative energy uh, sources after Russia's invasion of Ukraine, maybe from the United States, receive after the United States said it was prepared to increase deliveries to Europe. So here's a way you can, I suppose, uh, deal with those shortages coming out of Russia now. But that's the thing. You see, Will, it's like, uh, it's not so simple, right? You set things up in such a fashion where you're importing this stuff from uh, a place you no longer agree with and then it ends up on the customer's doorstep at some point where where you've got to you've got to make some adjustments and you may or may not be able to and you may or may not be able to do it quickly enough mm-hmm. so it's no no freebie over here definitely not uh, speaking of russia apparently sliding toward a default as payment deadline expires. So you've got a situation where because of sanctions, well, at least this is what Russia says, because, and I believe it to be true, because of sanctions, it becomes very difficult for Russia to make payments for foreign debt, to actually just even pay, pay off their, their loans, pay off their deals. And even if they have the money sitting there, you can't find a bank to actually transfer it. Mm -hmm. To actually, you're not allowed to. Mm -hmm. And they have a a period running out. There's like apparently an interest payment, hundred million dollars, which is due May 27th. 
Russia says it has the funds to pay, but sanctions are to blame. Now, what this means in the current environment might not be much because it's, it's currently, it's impossible for many on the international stage to do any type of trade with Russia anyways. But they, there is like a global credit system and you can, once you get ranked, downranked, you stay downranked for a while. Russia has struggled to keep payments up on $40 billion of outstanding bonds since the invasion of Ukraine on February 24th, which provoked sweeping sanctions that have effectively cut the country out of the global financial system and rendered its assets untouchable to many investors. It sounds really bad to default on your loans. They can't just have briefcases of billions of dollars and then just hand them over no. just find ways yeah. uh who knows maybe that'll happen i mean the other the other problem is that many of these bonds are due in uh, other currencies could be usd could be euros right and as you know inflation rubles added complications uh but apparently this hasn't happened in a really long time there's a reference here in the article about the last time yeah bolshevik revolution is the last time uh, Russia defaulted on international bonds. So, uh, yeah, this stuff is still going on. People still ask me to talk about it. It's I feel that maybe there is some kind of fatigue setting in. People have heard about it, and it just kind of feels like this Russia-Ukraine situation is kind of uh, ongoing and almost permanent. It's like COVID primed us to be prepared to just deal with something, have it existing, the specter of it. Uh but I still get messages from people in Ukraine saying, hey, it's need updates. Keep talking about it. Uh -huh. Stuff is still happening. And it has not eased up at all, mm -hmm. even though for, for other people elsewhere, obviously the conversation has shifted to energy in a lot of cases, like the last story. But there is still a very real conflict going on on the ground with very human consequences mm -hmm. and with that do you want to take a break yes let's take a break this episode is sponsored by manscaped boxers 2.0 i actually got them right here look at this oh look at that yeah they upgraded it that's what happens when you write 2.0 in it it's a premium ultra soft boxer brief apparently this is years in development right here oh wow after grooming your groin to your liking, slip into these buttery soft boxer briefs, re-engineered from the crotch up with specifically, specially designed jewel pouch to place your valuables in. Mm. Into the jewel pouch. I like that. Soft and supported, supportive and cool under pressure. Micromodal fabric, breathable, keeping you as cool as a cucumber. Walk, run, strut, moisture wicking, smooth operator. That's the, that's the material you're looking for, that buttery soft stuff. Yes. Yes, what you need. Very much so. And that cool under pressure element because it has been steaming out there. Uh-huh. Oh, like this. Um, shout out to Manscaped. Go try the Boxers 2.0 Premium. Ultra soft. Tell me how it feels. The micro-modal fabric is buttery soft and breathable, keeping your cucumber cool. Walk, run, and strut. These moisture-wicking boxers breathe without breaking a sweat. And the tagless waistband hugs your body without digging into it. It lays flat on your skin, reducing chafing. You could choose from a bunch of designs, colors, and sizes from small to 3XL. Get 20% off 
plus free shipping with the code LULATER at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code LULATER at manscaped.com. Once the Boxers 2.0 touch your sack, you'll never go back. Thank you to Manscaped. We're also sponsored by Sunday. This is everything you need to finally start taking care of your lawn and getting rid of the guesswork on what type of strategy you should take to get that beautiful green grass, those plants, those trees, those shrubs in your yard. What's amazing here is it's actually customized and the whole thing happens online. Your soil is analyzed. Did you know this, Will? Uh, no. That's right. I had no idea. And a program, a, a kit is sent to you that is the perfect kit for your own uh, scenario, which is different depending on where you are, the climate. You get a custom lawn plan. The exact products your lawn needs. Could be a nutrient boost. Could be a fertilizer plan. Could be a soil test kit. That's the one I was talking about. And whatever tools you need to apply this. So finally, absolutely everybody can have that beautiful green lawn like yours will. Your yard is your personal oasis. It deserves the best. Sunday helps you grow a beautiful lawn, control pests, and fight weeds without the toxic stuff. Sunday's custom lawn care is effective and super easy. Just go to sunday.com, put in your address, and the lawn analysis tool does the rest. Sunday's lawn care products are made with your family in mind. That's why they use ingredients you can feel good about, like seaweed, iron, and molasses. And Sunday is offering our listeners 20% off. Full season plans start at just $129. And you can get 20% off when you visit getsunday.com slash lulater at checkout. That's 20% off your custom plan at getsunday.com slash lulater. Go check it out. Now, uh, speaking of speaking of conflict and technology for that matter. Uh, how about this technology here? New Israeli military tech allows operators to see through walls. Uh, this is not something that I was especially familiar with, but it doesn't seem that wild. I guess they have some new device with even greater resolution. Well, first of all, that thing in that image looks super tactical. Uh, but I end up clicking through to the to the uh, website and looking at the current version so that one is called the 1000. This is the 100. And actually, this one's a little more handheld, but you can click on the video here and see how this works, or the at least how they demonstrate it. So it's a, it's a through-the-wall radar, and essentially it can, it can sense a human on the other side of a wall and through uh, a variety of materials, including hmm. concrete, and it can also tell, apparently, the new one's going to be able to tell the position of the human if it, they happen to be laying down or sitting upright or standing, and then how far, like, which direction that they're moving in. Wow. And if you scroll forward a little bit more, it gets super tactical because they show an actual scenario. This is what happens when you're marketing military equipment, equipment at military groups. With the UI? <laughs> it's pretty wild, actually. So there, there's something going on in this office building, I guess, and here comes the tactical squad. Uh, and they're moving through this hallway, and you can see they're clearing rooms just using the device. Room is clear, and then they hold it to the next wall. So they showcase, like, a wooden door. I don't know, wooden or steel, but 
probably wooden, and then a, a, some drywall, and then they detect an individual moving away from them in another room, and they go, okay, here we are, affects their decisions, boom, they bust the door open, and they start firing right away. So wow. this is a pretty serious target, obviously. Uh-huh. Instant assassination. I was just like, wow. man, this target did something. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, maybe it was a hostage situation. Could be hostage. But that's what they're uh, marketing it at. So you can see right there, tactical entry and assault, hostage recovery, search and rescue, uh, breaching, and force protection. A virtual window to spot threats approaching from the outside. So even if you were inside, you could know if somebody was on the other side of the threshold. But that's the 100. Uh, apparently, the development here is... The 1000 from Camaro Tech, AI-based tracking algorithm, an essential system for military's law enforcement and intelligence units to see what's happening behind a wall. New Israeli military technology allows users to detect objects and people behind walls using an AI-based tracking algorithm. The Zaver 1000 produced by the Israeli imaging solutions company Camaro Tech was unveiled for the first time at the Euro Saturi 2022. Euro I, I don't know how that word makes me feel. It's very uh, unusual. Mm -hmm. Group of sounds. Um, the new Zaver 1000 Essential company said it's a new tool for tactical operations can detect the presence of life in rooms, the number of people, and their distance from the system, target height and orientation, and a general layout of the space. So that's a little bit more than the demo they showed off on the previous model. The whole thing, you're able to interact with it with an interface on a 10.1-inch touchscreen. And it can penetrate through most common building materials. So you don't want them coming at you with this one, Will. They're going to know if you're snoozing and be like, oh, he's lying down. Oh, we got him. That's he, creepy. We got him. He's lying down. I didn't know what was going on with Google Analytics, but apparently, well, it's a, it's been declared illegal in Italy, but this is not the first place. Uh, a week ago, the French Data Protection Agency published guidelines on Google Analytics, resulting from statements uh, made earlier in the year when it banned the use of Google Analytics. Uh, more and more EU states coming to the same conclusion that Google Analytics is illegal. Now, before we go further into this, this site where I found this story, simplyanalytics.com, they create a comp uh, competing platform for Google Analytics. Oh, okay. So just to provide a little bit more texture there on what's going on. Uh, but apparently because everything gets sent back to Google or sent back to the U.S., it's in breach of many of Europe's privacy laws That's that, that would, would need it to be anonymized before it got shipped over there, the information, and that there are more uh, privacy concerns resulting as a consequence of how the technology is currently implemented. Uh, I have to imagine that this has the potential to affect a variety of Google products uh, in which you have a... And any type of centralization, Google has obviously run into issues in other places, but not around necessarily privacy, but in other places where governments wanted information prior to it going straight to Google. 
Italy becomes the third country to ban Google Analytics uh, after a complex investigation into coordination with other European privacy authorities. It reached the same conclusion as the Austrian Data Protection Authority, which was first to rule the use of Google Analytics illegal. The problem is the transfer of personal data to the United States, Google being a U.S. company. The main reason for in introducing GDPR law in, in 2018 to pr protect the privacy of EU citizens, data being transferred to the U.S., obliged to hand it over. So it's not that the data is, is being just transferred to the U.S. It's the fact that Google could then be obliged in the U.S. to supply that data to the government or to law enforcement in the event that there was some sort of ongoing investigation. They couldn't say no. And obviously in other countries, they might not like that very much or agree to it. There was presented a couple of potential solutions from Google, none of which were accepted as far as this story seems to imply. But like I said, this is just Google Analytics. Uh, I have to assume that many of Google's products work in this fashion and could be analyzed as such and could be outlawed as such. Mm. But then the company goes on to promote their analytics product, which is full privacy all the time and illegal nowhere because... I presume everything happens locally mm. in the nation in which it's being deployed. Cadillac's ultra luxury, Celestique, Celestic, whatever. This is that one sort of flagship car that we had talked about a while ago, but then you didn't really hear much about. And then obviously we had the SUV in studio, which is not this. This one is meant to be ultra luxury. To the tune of 500 of them being made a year maximum, hmm. which is pretty wild. Well, at 300K, uh, it kind of makes sense. The Halo car is what they're going to consider it. And it's because it's going to have the next generation of GM's driver assist technology, which they call Ultra Cruise. Uh, this is like autopilot, obviously, or full self-driving or whatever. They say it'll work in 95% of driving scenarios and over... 2 million miles of paved roads in the U.S. Here's the quote. This will get you going. We're attempting to have this feature be sort of a door-to-door -door driverless operation. That sounds compelling. Door-to-door -door driverless operation. Just input the location and go. Yeah, okay, full self-driving. Running on Qualcomm Snapdragon ride program. Uh, scroll up just to the first paragraph. There we go. So apparently the uh, the display, like we don't know much about it at the moment. 500 built each year. The screen is going to be enormous. Apparently it will be even larger than the one that we showed off in the Lyric, which was 33 inches spanning from the driver's side all the way across the dash. This one is going to be better than that one, as it should be, I guess, for 300 grand. But... Apparently, you know, a lot of people thought that it would be like a lot of people were skeptical that it would actually that they would actually only make 500 of these and th that it would actually be a $300,000 flagship car. I think if you make 500 of them, there's going to be demand because people are just going to want to have it for the exclusivity. There's probably going to be a resale market for these things. Mm -hmm. Like just, a Rolex. Yeah, this is, gonna, this is about to be a Patek. Philippe over here. <laughs> Don't mind that. Uh... See if you can find any better images of it because these are only close-ups. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I think these are all like artist renderings, right? 
Well, like the Cadillac is back, you know, that prestigious luxury Cadillac of, of yesteryear. It's like everything gets to be reborn in uh, EV land. You get to take all the history and everything, put it all back. No one's worried about gas mileage and no. everybody wants a luxury and tech feature. So, yeah, I'm curious to see what it actually looks like. Right, and we will shortly. By the way, I, I, I saw your exact build Bronco this weekend. Oh. Uh, was I driving? I was actually talking to the guy. He said he... Oh. The only reason with the hard top. Oh, you talked to him. Yeah, what was the color you got? It was the carbonized gray. Yeah, this he had your exact build. With the guy (laughs) with the hard top, but he said he was uh, a day one order. Um, which model? Black Diamond. Uh, Drain plugs. Show me Black Diamond. Show me Black Diamond real quick. Um, the thing about. Bronco, like the front grill just looks a slightly different from the other. Right. So it might. I'm going to just say yes, regardless. Might be hard to tell. Yeah. Carbonized gray is the dark gray, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I said to him what you said to me. I just looked at him and said, you got the hard top. You didn't ask about the drain plugs? I was like, no, I didn't didn't go straight to the drain. It would have been a little awkward. (laughs) Show me your drain plugs now. It would have been a little awkward. I would have said it. But, uh, yeah, it was looking good, man. Yeah, right? It was looking good. Yeah. I, highly, I highly recommend in the, in the presence of it. So, and, uh, anyway, move over to the next one. Uh, uh, this is our only Tesla story of the day. It's an interesting one, something I didn't think about. Tesla has the retractable door handles. And... Uh, I've oh, the heard- X and the S. You hear mixed things about them. Yeah, excellent. As you hear mixed things about I haven't had any problems with mine, but some people have had problems with them in the past. It's a, it's an item where you're not sure you want it to be motorized because you yeah. use it all the time. And it traps your head any, Well, just any type of malfunction with it. It's just a critical feature on a, on a car, mm-hmm. the handle. But in this case, you're going to be really happy you have that feature mm. because this is some road rage going on. And there's a video clip, which you can play. Scroll down. Uh, the guy jumps out of the car because he's raging and he attempts to open the car door of the Tesla driver to beat him up or whatever, yell at him. I mean, who knows? Nobody knows. And then the guy just drives away because he approaches and he can't get the handle open. He he hits the window first. Now, I guess if he was really mad, he could smash the window. But but then he's going to get blood all over his hand and it's just not as easy as opening the door handle. And he goes to reach for it, and it takes him a second to realize, damn, I messed with a Tesla. Yeah, it just completely nullifies his uh, emotions. Yeah, and then he just drives away. Now, I'm, I guess, yeah, he could have drove, drove away initially as it at a stoplight. I don't really know, but the point is the retractable handle defeated the road rager in this case, which yeah. is pretty cool. You're going to want that feature in the future. If, if, if you went through this ordeal, mm. somebody tried to attack you and open your... Now, now, many cars, for the record, many cars are going to lock themselves uh, by default when you start driving. Mm-hmm. So even if the guy could crank the handle, it's not going to open. You're not going to unlock it. But this is even a one-up on that because there's nothing for him to even grab. It's very embarrassing. He's so mad, but he can't even grab anything, as you see in the clip. <laughs> it's very frustrating. Yeah. 
Okay, move over to the last story of the day. Uh, this is a... This is a... Well, it's kind of a nice one, to be honest with you. There's a, NHL playoffs are going on, Stanley Cup finals. Mm. And here we have a Colorado Avalanche fan. He got banned from the rink. And the reason was because he took his friend's ashes and tried to spread it on the ice. Oh. Now, he had his friend. He was his best friend. They were diehard fans of the Avalanche. And they used to go to all the games together. And it was... Uh, it was his best friend, and he died in a kind of uh, unexpected, just died. They don't really go into how he died, but he died unexpectedly. And this guy thought that the only fitting thing to do would be to throw his ashes on the ice surface at the arena. While there's a live game? No, he tried to get there early, get down near the ice, and get some of those ashes on there. Now, he got spotted doing this by one of the uh, rank attendants. And obviously, you can't do this. And they're concerned with what are you trying to even put on the ice? They got to protect the safety and things like this. He had a little baggie with the ashes in it. And uh, he got it over the glass and onto the ice. Just I don't think it was all the ashes. I think it was a portion of the ashes. Just a sprinkle? He confessed that he knew the idea could have some serious repercussions. Realistically, again, and this is his quote, not the brightest idea, but in my heart, it was the best way I could give tribute to my friend for what he truly loved more than anything in the world. Now, when the usher noticed what was going on, he said, hey, dude, what was that? And rather than trying to hide what it was, he said, well, to be honest with you, that was my best friend, Kyle. He died. And he said, hey, if, you, if you're familiar with an ice rink, the Zamboni comes and pours water and pulls off whatever snow buildup was there. It's not going to, like, be embedded in the ice or anything. It's a, it's a symbol, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a bonding thing. They were super fans of the avalanche. Wow. And it was funny because I was like, well, obviously you have a problem if everybody tries to do these things. But in this circumstance, I feel like it's worth it for this guy to get banned. Because that's meaning to him. Like, for... It's a way of uh, grieving. It's a way of doing right by your best friend. It's like there's so much more to it. He says says here, I do it all over again with the biggest smile on my face like I did the last time. I know in my heart that's where he wanted to be. (laughs) Wow. Anyway, so shout out to those guys. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I have a feeling at the article, I have a feeling he'll be let back in. I have, I have a feeling he'll be back at a Colorado Avalanche game at some point. All right. Yeah, I agree. Thanks to everybody who joined us here today on a wonderful Sunday. Thank you for all the super chats. Everybody participated. Thank you to Willie Do for putting it all together. And uh, we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm. Bye.